Hey, Andrew, how's it going? How's it going, Nick? How are you? Are we live? We are live right now. Awesome. How's it going? Yeah. Yeah, isn't it kind of interesting using this, uh, using Anchor, it kind of tells you you're going to be recorded, and then all of a sudden, just bam, you're going to jump into it. Yep. Yep. So, um, so before we kind of jump into things, because uh, I have a couple of things I want to make sure we touch on, um, would you want to take like 30 seconds, a minute, um, or more if you feel like you need it, and just kind of explain and tell everyone who you are, where you're from, um, just kind of 30,000 foot overview. Sure, sure. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, Andrew Diaz. Uh, consider myself a serial entrepreneur. The uh, journey started when I was 19 years old. I'm 27 now. When I was 19, a single dad. Um, went the practical route, so went the school route, got a bachelor's, multiple graduate degrees. Uh, worked for a Fortune 500 company as a cancer scientist, and I realized that it wasn't the life I wanted to live, uh, working a nine-to-five for someone, so got into the whole entrepreneurship, digital marketing, e-commerce, Shopify, Amazon, affiliate marketing, and so on, and that's where the journey has taken me, and along the way, and on how to get here, it's all been about networking, so that's what I'm mainly key focused on, is networking and reaching out to people, so a little bit about me. I'm sure we're going to get more into it as we go along here. Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect. I just wanted people to kind of have an idea of who you are, where you came from, um, just to give them a little bit of context. But uh, talk to me about being uh, 19 years old and being a single dad. Like, what, what was that? What was that like for you? Oh, man, it was, uh, it was very rough. Um, I had a lot of expectation when I was young as a teenager. I was a athlete, a student athlete, um, had above a 3.5 all the time, uh, played football, played varsity football since I was a freshman. Uh, the football team wow. that I was a part of, we ran, we won state championships. And, um, you know, I had a lot of expectation, and my siblings were all smart. Uh, they were all in AP courses at that time in high school and 4.5 students. Um, my brother was going to UCLA. My sister went to UCLA. And there I was, 19, as a single dad now, now having to go to a JC. So I was definitely sure. the black sheep of the family when that was going along. And uh, my lowest point was seeing one of my coaches who had, like, the most highest expectation for me. You know, when at the end of our senior year, he was like, you know, you're going to be one of the most successful people to come out of here. And when he, I found out that I had a kid, he was, he just looked at me and just shook his head. And ah. it wasn't to me disappointing somebody and letting them down was, was rough. And, but, uh, and then once we had the son, once I had my son, you know, his mom left within six weeks, which made it even worse. So there I am going to JC single dad at 19 and yeah. feeling like the black sheep. I was at the lowest point of my at my lows, but, you know, I started listening to inspirational, like, videos on YouTube or, you know, whatever sure. I can, and I would wake up and, you know, grind, and that's what it became. It, I had to grow up. Instead of being 19, I had to grow up and be, like, 27, how I am now at the age of 19. Right. <clears throat> so that's kind of unheard, not unheard of, but it's very rare that, like, it's the mom that gets up and leaves. 
Like that, that's just yeah. not typically the narrative. Did you kind of experience a little bit of like sympathy from your family for that aspect or, um, or, or just uh, w- what was it like having it be that situation rather than how it's typically portrayed? I think um, afterwards, I mean, I think I didn't start getting recognition back until I got the job as a scientist. Um, because, again, I had a whole, a whole lot of expectations built on me. But the right. fact that she did leave, it was just kind of like, it was, it was, it was like you said, it was unheard of um, for that to happen. But we were both young, you know. I was 19 yeah. at the time. She, she was just about to turn 18, you know. Okay. So, she had her whole life ahead of her too, just like how I did. And, you know, she just wasn't at that time ready to commit to something like that. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. And so I've always been blessed enough to have, you know, a mom and a dad take care of me and watch over me yeah. while I was young and I had a great life. So I didn't want so them I, to not have that. So have right. to come up. Yeah. So at, ni- so at 19, you had like the kind of the the wherewithal and the emotional intelligence to just understand that that's what that's where she wasn't at or was that a couple of years later that you realized okay at this point in her life she just really wasn't ready for a kid and I get that now um it wasn't until a couple of years later at first I okay. was just like I felt she was like being irresponsible I mean she started going out to partying after like he was born and I was like what are you doing like we have a kid, right. you know, um, and I've always, even though when I was young and somewhat immature, I've always been the mature one out of my friends. Sure. You know, and I've never gone out to drink and party, never done any okay. of that stuff. So when it came to having a baby, I was like, all right, well, it's time to handle business. Yeah. But then when she left, it was like, okay, now it's really time to, <laughs> right. to, to grind. So once you kind of got your feet underneath you, did you... And enjoy being um, a dad, or or what was that kind of like? Is like a little bit about me, and I don't think I've told this um, on an episode yet. Um, by the way, I forgot to say this. This is episode fourteen of Nick and of Nick at Night. Um, but uh, one of my dreams is to be a stay at home dad one day. Um, oh, to yeah. be able to like have. Um, an income or be at a point in my life where I can pay somebody else to run my companies um, Mm -hmm. and I can be a stay at home dad. So it's, it's cool for me to just to hear this story from you at 19. um, Cause I mean, it's probably around 18, 19 when I started thinking like, yeah, I am pumped to be a dad one day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to be a dad. Um, I mean, not that young, um, sure, but uh, just the way my dad was with me, you know. Um, but thinking about it, you know, I I didn't really get to enjoy him. I didn't. I mean, I barely barely got to enjoy him three years ago when it when some of the grind kind of not necessarily stopped, but opened itself up more. Um, sure. Because when I had him, I was going to school from like right. in the morning to the afternoon. The afternoon I'd come home, maybe spend an hour with them, and then from the, after that go to work. And at that time, at 19, I was working at the mall. So mm. I'd work until closing, which was 10, come home, he's already asleep. And then I'd study for school from 10 till 1 to 3 a.m. every single year until 
I got that job as a scientist in 20, 2014. So from 2009 to 2014, that's what my life was like every single day. Wow. Year after year. Even on weekends. That's, same thing. That's crazy. So you just really had to just kind of put your head down and just know, like, okay, this is going to be life for the next stretch, and I just got to get through this, and then there's better on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then, that's that's and then crazy. Now, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it was it was hard, man. I mean, I had many days when like I just wanted to give up and just kind of like you know be yeah, like I, I would imagine just decide to work two jobs, you know. And it's like, no, man, I have my dream. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's huge for sticking to it for all of those years. How many is it? Is that three years? Well, two thousand nine to twenty fourteen. Oh, two thousand nine. That's five years. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and then now same thing. You know, well, it's not as bad. Whereas, like, I I miss out on him, you. But I miss mm-hmm. out on, on his whole youth. I miss out from him being, you know, a baby till him being five years old, and then now, right. you know, I still miss out because I I go to work from six to three, but then now right. when I get home at three, I'm I'm home. You know, I get to do all my my entrepreneurship stuff when I'm at home. So I get to, he gets to see that and he gets to bond with me and he gets to put in his little input on what shirt he thinks looks cool or what, sure. you know, how the website looks and stuff. So it's, it's different. Yeah. And, and you just, and you, and so you're now married and you now, ju- and you just had another baby boy, right? Yes. Yes. And, and then, and yeah, well, we, what are their we, names? Uh, my oldest is Tay. He's seven years old. He was born on Halloween. Um, okay. And then now my my youngest is Reese, uh, who's now five weeks. He was five weeks okay. yesterday. Okay. And so you've probably gotten zero sleep in the last five weeks, I would imagine. Yeah, but it's so funny. Uh, I feel like, you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason. Life happens for a reason. But when I was doing all that grinding and stuff, I got used to not sleeping. Mm. You know, I got used to either going to bed like at 11 and then waking up at 4 or vice versa, going to bed at like 3 and waking up like at 7 or 6. So now, right. I mean, those are the times that the baby's like waking up. He's either waking up at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning, and I'm already like, all right, let's go. Let's get it. Right. Wow. Well, that worked out really well then. Yeah. So now, so now that you have two kids, and and you've been married for a year, less than a year. Less than a year. We I actually proposed to my my wife, but at that time, fiance in Paris in March 2016. Okay. Um, and then we got married 4/21/17. Okay. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so how's the, how's work-life balance? What do you, what do you do to keep that in check or or is it fairly easy now that you have a job where you're home after three and able to spend time with the family? Um, I kind of balance it out. Uh, you know, like you said, I have, I come home at three. So then from three on, it could be dad time. Um, but Again, I need to be grinding to set this up because, like you, I want to eventually not have to 
well, not necessarily not have to work. I don't want to say it like that, but yeah, not have to worry about having to go somewhere for a job and missing out on things. You know, I want to be able right. to work from home, like you said. So uh, there's still the grind. So it's it's kind of like a balance. There'd be some days, like yesterday, for example, where I got up at five in the morning and I worked all the way that whole day. The my family mm. was around me. You know, I would take time to eat with them and stuff like that. But it was I was in my zone. And then there's other days sure. where I'm not working as much and I'm, you know, going to the park with my son or, you know, spending time with my wife on a little date and stuff. So it's it's kind of finding that, that balance. Maybe one day go, you know, full out on, on working and then the mm-hmm. next day, you know, even it out a little bit more and so on. So I try to have like a nice little balance because I figure, you know, especially with my son when he was young, they're not going to remember this this time right they're only going to remember maybe when they were a teenager and so and and on so right now is really the time for me especially for my youngest now for me to just Mm -hmm. go all in and and set myself up so that hopefully in the future you know i'm not having to work like this where i'm killing myself right right so talking more about like your entrepreneurial ventures like what does that look like right now like what are you doing outside of your day job okay well the first thing i started was the digital marketing um when i was going to school i got my master of science but then i also got my mba which is actually in marketing so that's kind of where i got interested in the whole marketing aspect of it and i was like oh you know it'd be really cool to help businesses grow like why but and then at the same time help help myself and then at that time got in introduced to Ty Lopez's program, which was a lot of fluff, to be honest. No disrespect, Ty. You know, you're one of my greatest mentors. But um, it it gave me that aspect, you know, you could start a business, you know. And I've always wanted to start one, even when I was young, when I was flipping at garage sales at 19, you know, um, and selling Mm -hmm. it on eBay. So I was like, this is the perfect time to start, you know, just start. And I was watching all these videos, just start. So I started it, and it's been successful, like, Businesses are always willing to get help with social media. Either one, they don't know how to do it, or two, they don't have the time. And then that's where you can right. come in and be an asset to them and provide value. And for $1,000 a month, but you're bringing them in maybe five to $10,000 a month, it, the, math is, the math works out itself all the time. Right, right. Did you ever come across companies like at the very beginning or even now still where they just don't think long term enough for social media or are you more of like a quick let me get you a result and then we'll work on scaling it where you may not see the the ROI right on the upfront well see the, the what worked for me was doing it like you just said the set, the latter part where I would go in so we had there's a furniture company right by where I live it's right next to the local Costco and uh they had no social media whatsoever, no Facebook, no Twitter, no nothing. It's all been word okay. of mouth, and they've been in business for 23 years, and it's ran wow. by an older gentleman who's 60, and he has his son who's going to be taken over who's in his 40s. And I was talking to them about it and explaining to them that, you know, social media is the modern-day TV, and, you know, TV is the modern-day radio. No one's listening to the radio as much. You know, so 
everyone's right. plugged in on social media and they didn't really see the value. So what I decided to do was give them a free month of just being able to run one start up their social medias, but then also, you know, provide ads and provide value. Within that month sure. they increased in sales drastically. Drastically. And by providing that value then I was able to negotiate price. And then sure. after you get that first person, you b- you start to build that portfolio and you show when you go now to other businesses what you just did and what really starts to scale that digital marketing business is when you have a competitor. So like, for example, if I worked with a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym and then now I'm trying to go pitch to another Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym, they're more than likely going to want my service because of what I did for that other gym. They're going to want to out-compete. And then by doing so, then you can up the price as well. So it's, it's crazy. All you need is that first one. Okay. And so, and so you're still running this now, correct? Yes, but it's it's all it's all um, before I was doing everything. I was posting for them. I was writing the content. I was trying to make videos. I ended up buying like a super expensive fifteen hundred dollar camera from Amazon, and try and I was on YouTube learning photo and video editing, and I I try to be the one man show for, for everything. And I realized right. that and I, when I was reading books, it's like, you can't, you don't want to be working for your business. You want your business to work for you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I was doing it wrong. And then I realized once I took, uh, after taking Ty's course, I took Joe Soto who actually owns his own marketing firm I mean, this is his life. He has a, and it's a seven-figure marketing firm worth seven million dollars or millions of dollars worth. And I learned from someone who's in the practice, and he talked about how to outsource and how to to build a team. And then, so I built I built a team, and it's all I don't do anything anymore. You know, all I do is if there's ever a complaint, I talk to the owner, but my team does the rest. You know, and it's all on. It's all automated now. Payments are automated. Where I don't have to worry about going in and picking up a personal check. It just all comes automated. Wow, that's awesome. So how many years have you been doing this now then? Less than a year, to be honest. Um, really? Started... And so... Oh, continue. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, started... You're about to answer my question. Yeah, I started in... I started learning about it in January. Um well, I had learned about it previously, like I said, in my in my actual formal education. Um, but as far as, like, being your own owner, I started learning about it in January. And then come February, I started making my website. And then by March, I was out looking for leads and prospects and stuff. Wow. And so, so and then March, when... April, May, June, three months, three to four months. Wow. And so now you and you already have a full team outsourced that does everything. That does everything. I have someone who takes care of the Facebook. I have someone who does funnels for me. I have someone who does the content. I have someone who does the video and photo editing if I need be, but not too many people really need that. I mean, restaurants do to a certain extent. Mm. Um, maybe like for like the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy, we made like a cool video of like um, – we had a guy going up to uh, a uh, a gas station, 
and he was getting gas, and then all of a sudden he got mugged. And then we did it. After that, he was walking, and he saw the Jiu-Jitsu Academy in the background. And then we did, like, three months later, you know, like a little cutscene, and that same situation happened, but this time he was able to defend himself. So, some again, some clients need it, some clients don't. Sometimes the video is captivating, and sometimes it's not really necessary. So, But the main thing that we do is, you know, um, customer acquisition. We bring we bring leads to the to the people, to the businesses, right. and it works. And that's all they really care about. They don't really care about how my website looks, even though it took me a long time to make it look very professional. Um, right. All they want is an ROI. And yeah. when you're able to have a team that helps you, it's it's awesome. And the background for anyone listening who owns a digital marketing website or a digital marketing business, et cetera, here's a little tidbit for you. What you do is you do the marketing and stuff for yourself first. You go on Fiverr and ask for someone who makes a website. You're going to pick the top 10 people and then you're going to get their Skype. And now you're going to see, you're going to look at their portfolios. You're going to do the same thing for Facebook. You're going to do the same thing for Instagram, the same thing for Twitter and so on and all the services that you want to provide. And now you have people who could work for you. Also, Upwork. You could do it on Upwork.com, Outsource.com, Freelancer.com. There's so many different sites that you go out there. And when you find those people who are reliable, who do good work, now you've really built, you know, someone in a trust system that you could rely on. And having those people, you could you know, bid off of them. So, for example, you could get the top 10 website developers and say, who could give me the best bid for this website that I need developed? One, you already know each 10 of them are going to do great work. Now you're just going to be able to lower your price, you know, for whatever website that it is that you're making for your client. Right. Little, little, little ninja secrets right there. So do you do that every time or do you have like a set group of people that you go to each time now? Uh, it depends. So like if it's if it's a big time client who's going to be paying me five thousand a month or twenty five hundred a month, I have a set group of people who I truly rely on. I have someone who does websites who made who made academic websites, so like UCLA's, USC's, because I'm in Southern California. Uh, right. Who's always on time? I have someone who does the content who does amazing work. So those are my go-tos. But if they're not available, um, and I'll let them know. So I, I don't, I don't message them necessarily unless it's a big client. Everyone else sure. is just, you know. So that's that's kind cool. of how it's been able to work, and it's been awesome. That's huge. And so, so now it sounds like you were alluding to that is not your only entrepreneurial venture right now, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, um, once I started getting into it, I started asking myself, man, I could do this, you know, for myself, but for what, you know, aside from marketing, what else can I do to help bring in, you know, traffic and, and some passive income? So that's where I started the whole Shopify and e-commerce um, because as I was as I was networking um, with people uh, who followed Gary Vee or who followed Ty or whoever or Jaden Gross or whatnot, I started meeting people who also did these other ventures like Amazon dropshipping, Shopify dropshipping, right. etc. And I was like, wow, this is really great because some of them are making you know a killing, some of them are making 
you know, between ten to a hundred thousand dollars a month. And yep. that's awesome to me. And I was like, well, with my marketing background now on how to scale and how to do ads and how the team that I have, I could really build something. So got into that as well. And that's one of the things where I'm telling the listeners here, don't you don't want to be working for your business. You want your business to work for you. So then you could start other ventures like this, you know, set up a marketing agency, set up Shopify that brings in extra revenue. And then with that, you know, use it towards investments, whether you want to do it into stocks or you want to invest into real estate maybe. And then that's where like you see the big time multimillionaires like Grant Cardone and, you know, other people like that where their, their investments are all in real estate. And that's the number one, factor that makes any millionaire is real estate. So that's my ultimate goal is to use all the income that I'm making from whether it's my digital marketing or my Shopify is to eventually invest in real estate and have that be my, my source of income. That's huge. And you're already investing, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. I started investing in stocks at 19. Um, and I was at that time I was, doing, like I said, I'll go to garage sales and find something for cheap and then flip it on Amazon or at that time it was eBay who was the big one. Um, And then when I was working at, you know, the mall, we'd get discounts. Uh, Sometimes we'd get 50%, sometimes it was between 30 and 50% depending on the time of the month and the quarter. And so I would buy shoes since I worked for a shoe store and then I Mm. would flip that on you know amazon or ebay etc so yeah uh that's that's how i was making that extra extra income and then with that since i figured it was extra and i've always been taught that even when i was young you know whether it's you're making overtime or whether you're making an extra you know 100 bucks or birthday money or whatever it wasn't your money you know that's you know don't view it as that's your money view it as that's extra and anything extra invest that so that extra makes a little bit more extra for you so right started investing in 19 and was able to turn you know a three-figure investment into now worth you know seven figures and it's all been through investing that's huge and so and if you don't mind me asking because i think this is going to be able to bring a lot of value to people that are kind of younger and, and thinking that they need thousands of dollars in order to invest, what did you invest in when you just had maybe a few hundred dollars to really invest? Sure. Um, well, I've always been a nerd, even though, I mean, this country, like I've always been really into science, really into technology, really into things that I feel are going to be a value. So like I knew this social media boom was going to be huge when I was 19 years old. Um mm. And I knew in having the the uh, the underlying background for like chemistry and biology, I knew some of the what some of these companies were doing um and how huge it was going to be so the first company and then this is a great company to invest in still now, which is a little secret for you it's oled o l e d um and they are responsible okay. for making um the Samsung bent TVs. They're responsible for making the flexible screens on your Samsung phones where like you could see the writing on the side of it. They are responsible mm. for the screens in the Tesla cars. 
Um, and now they just signed a deal with Apple where all of Apple's products now, their iPhones, their laptops, et cetera, are going to be using OLED technology. You know, it's a high resolution, um, but it's very, um, what's the word? I don't want to say malleable, but it's very flexible um, okay. to the point where they're they're making a newspaper with this in China where you could fold it up as small as a little wrapper of gum and then open it up and it'd be an interactive newspaper, almost Harry Potter style. And everything I'm talking about too, you could Google on YouTube. Um, so you could YouTube OLED newspaper. Also in China, they're going to be making a see-through plane that's going to be paneled with OLED technology so that when you're flying up in the air, it looks like you're literally soaring like a bird. You're not going to see wow. the panels on the plane. You're going to see the sky. You know, and, and for like the high-end, high-middle class, you're, it'll be romantic when you're looking at the sunset, you know, thousands of feet in the air. They're also making, if you've seen the movie Avatar, uh, see-through laptops, touchable screen laptops, projection, projections that come out of the screen as well. And that's all OLED technology. And wow, that's crazy. For, for many more years to come. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And, and I so knew about that at 19. Damn. So did they just sign with Apple? Because you're making me want to invest in them before their product goes live with Apple. Yeah, right. They haven't even came out with product for Apple yet. Their first product, I think, with Apple is going to be the iPhone 8, um, which is supposed to supposedly contain the OLED. But they did sign a deal. Like I said, everything I'm talking about is all trackable. You could Google all of this. You right. could YouTube all this. Um, they signed a deal the beginning of this year or at the end of last year with Apple um, for this. So now their stock is going to go even higher. When I bought this at, 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 in 2009, it was about, I believe, $9 a share. Today it's $124 a share. Damn. Which is huge. It's almost, you know, it's 12x your initial investment, just about. Yeah. Um, so for anyone young... And especially if you're young, take risks. So a lot of people in the books to read, um, you know, the superior code of the intelligent investor, um, how to make money in stocks, you know, the essays of Warren Buffett, you could go ahead and Google, you know, top books to read, read those books, you know, you know, subscribe to the Motley Fool. You don't have to pay, pay the 150 month subscription, but go on the website every day, you know, go to investopedia.com and learn. And just like everything in life, what you put in is what you're going to get out. And while you're doing that, you know, be risky. So when I was young, I didn't diversify. I already knew it was going to hit. So I put all my nuggets into one thing. And then when that thing mm. blew up, then I would take my nuggets out and put it into something else I knew at that particular time was going to blow up higher than what I had it originally. So I would do that. And, it, you know, I went from doing a stock that grew, you know, two times it's investment, and I pulled out and put in a stock that was $2, and then it blew up to $15. And then, you know, once I made that hit, you know, took it out and put it into something that went from $2 to $30 a share. And now, you know, it's just exponentially growing, so that 500 bucks quickly became, you know, 20000 100000 500000 and then over time grew into what it is now. And it's all, it's all being smart about what you're strategizing. And it, don't get me wrong, throughout those months too, I was also putting in money as well. So every single, right. after that initial $500 investment, I was still putting in money. 
every single week, every single month, you know, to help grow it. But it all started with 500 bucks. Um, and it's just knowing, and when I tell people who invest, it's stick to what you know. So, like, if you're an oil, stick to or the oil company, oil, oil companies, you know how that's going to work. If you're a tech guy and a science guy, stick to tech and science. But what right. I would give, and for the viewers here, is another secret, and it's it's not really a secret. I mean, a lot of people know about it, and it's on the Motley Fool. But they're saying that this age of AI, artificial intelligence, is going to be the biggest boom since the boom of the internet. So yep. investing in stocks in companies that are utilizing AI, and and don't get AI confused with like this big old sci-fi thing of like you know iRobot, but it's all automation. So like. If you look at Shopify, their stock has boomed. If you look at Facebook, their stock is continually booming. And all these stocks that I'm mentioning, too, are going to be great stocks to invest in now because five to ten years from now, they're going to be even bigger. Um, yep. Amazon, if you look at Amazon, it's booming. If you look at Google, it's booming. And it's all a lot of these are AI-driven, and they're bringing in AI practices. If you look at OLED, it's booming, AI-driven. Mm-hmm. And... What's going to be huge in these next few years is going to be 3D print companies, um, and not in the terms of just healthcare, where you could 3D print skin, you know, for burn patients, where it becomes actual, you know, um, viable cells. But looking at 3D print companies that print homes, if you YouTube it, there's a there's a uh, 3D printer that could print a, a living home for someone to live in within about a day. And it, only about $10, and it only costs about $10,000 to do. That's nuts. Now, imagine what that could do for people that just gone through a catastrophe like a tsunami or a hurricane or a tornado. They lost their homes. Right. You bring in these 3D print companies that go in and make it now for the fra- an eighth of the fraction of a cost it would do to do manual labor in a one-hundredth of a, t- of a time frame to do it in a day versus, you know, in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Or a hundred days, or whatever, and it's and it's it works. So, looking into things like that. So, looking into what's going to be the trend now, and what's going to be the trend in the future. Tesla has been huge, and you know what? It's going to be even huger years to come because that's where we, as an economy, needs to need to go to. You know, having yep. electronic cars. You know, having cars that are everyone eventually is going to want a car that drives themselves. Oh, it's you know, coming really be, soon, I think, too. Oh, it's coming really soon. It, I mean, in, and then now that Amazon has a deal with, you know, Whole Foods, I could see drone food deliveries in the in our near yep. future where we literally just go on Amazon. We don't have to go to a grocery store no more. And we pick the food that we want, put it in a cart, yeah. buy it, and then it gets delivered at the end of the day right at our doorstep. Well, you've seen the the concept of where you walk into this Amazon Whole Foods and you literally just scan your phone on the way in. That way they basically know, like, all right, you checked into the store, you're in the store, and then you add things mm-hmm. to your cart and it recognizes when you add when you add things to your cart and then you can also take things out of your cart and put them back and it'll subtract it mm-hmm. and then you literally just walk out the door. And then it'll charge you as you walk out. Like, you don't have to wait in the line at a cash register anymore. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's coming. You know, and, and what people need to realize is 
to also invest in companies that save time. Yep. Uber is big, not because it's a taxi service and because it's a it's a transport service. It's a time service. It's so it's so easy to just go on your phone real quick, put your location in, and have someone come pick you up versus calling a taxi and waiting 10 to 20 minutes. Now you just get the the closest person to you who can yeah. go and give you a ride. Well, and here's the funny part you with know? them. Like, cause I'm, I'm sure you followed Gary Vaynerchuk a bit, but like he even talks about, and I've seen it, and I've personally even done it, is where there are taxis sitting and waiting, but I'll still stand there and wait for my Uber because the perception mm-hmm. of time saved is still there because of how Uber has branded itself from the beginning. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Which is, I mean, to me, that's just genius. The fact that, like, even I think about it now, like, standing in that moment, I'm pretty sure I was at the Dallas uh, Fort Worth airport, and I called an Uber while I saw taxis just lined up sitting there. But instead, I'm like, nope, it's faster to use this Uber, even though I was standing there longer. Oh, yeah. And you're getting a nicer car. If you did the Uber luxury, this you're getting true. a nice BMW or Tesla. You know, who wants to ride in a in a taxi that probably smells, and you know, other people have been in it. You want, you know, something luxurious, and you sit in the back and you feel like a boss. You know, that's true. I so, had one of the craziest Uber drivers though. I think it was this guy that I waited <laughs> for. He literally, I was scared for my life. Like, shit, you not. I I've never really given someone a bad review on Uber. But I gave him probably the uh-huh. worst review I could have ever have given somebody because I was like, That's like funny. the dude just was not paying attention to the road. We like just he, the lines on the road to him basically meant nothing. It was like a child coloring outside of the lines the entire time that we were <laughs> driving for like 30 minutes. It was nuts. That's scary. Yeah, see, I, that's the one part, and I think that was the one fear everyone that everyone had in the very beginning was, you know, the driver's record, who they are, et cetera. Like, how do yeah. we mitigate, you know, catastrophe? Right. Well, I think, I mean, this dude, I mean, he got us here, but he got us to our destination. But the manner in which we got there was not preferable, mm-hmm. to say the least. Right. Which is, right. yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So now, to 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 almost get off not off the topic, but still on that that whole time frame thing. Have you ever seen the movie Wally? That's a kids movie. Uh, I I haven't. No. Okay. Well, in the movie, it's all these people that literally are sitting on this like little hoverboard thing, and everything is done for them. Like as far as their food, they could go into this little booth, and if they're like overweight, they could go into the booth, and it will you know work them out and they come out all ripped and stuff. I I was That's talking crazy. to someone the other day and I was like, you know what? One day the world is going to be like this. I feel like we're so lazy that this is going to happen. You know, not yeah. like we're saving time now with Uber. We're saving going to be saving time with Amazon with food. We want to save time via like doing an online business so we can stay home and do what we want. And right. eventually... I feel like tech is going to just outdo us all and we're just all going to be like this cartoon. Well, okay. So a couple of questions because this is actually very curious to me. So um, one, I don't think it's going to be out of laziness that we do something of that nature. 
I think it's going to be just the fact that we're going to think to ourselves, okay, I could spend two hours a day, five days a week for three months in the gym and then look like this, or I can pay this amount of money and wait a half hour and look like this now. Like, like you're just like, it's just going to save people so much time because I think time is going to be just so much more precious because we have the things to cut down on our time. I mean, like a hundred years ago, we had none of this and people's time. I don't, I mean, granted, there's no way of me to really know, but I just don't think it was as precious to them as it is to us now because of just the age that we live in where you do have these things and these technologies that can save us so much time of doing one task where we could be accomplishing more. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny to speak on that. The cell phone, when the cell phone came out, I was talking with my grandpa, and he lived back in the old days where you don't know if someone's home unless you go to their home and see if they're home. And mm-hmm. their home could be miles away from your home, and you'd have to walk there and see, you know, hey, can little Johnny come out and play type thing. Right. And it was like that. So when the cell phone came, it was, again, it was a service that provided, you know, for us to save time. Yep. Yep, exactly. Okay, so my second question about Wally now. Um, who made that movie? Do you remember? Was it, is it Disney? It's, it's a Disney movie. It is. Okay. I'm convinced that Disney knows what's going to happen in the future because they are connected with a shit ton of powerful people and they are just giving us hints. Like I've always believed this, that like the movie industry and Hollywood throws down hints for the rest of society to basically, basically tell us all like, Hey, catch the fuck up. I can't necessarily tell you this exactly word for word, but I can hint at it as much as I possibly can in a movie. Oh, I, I, I believe it. And I, I was just, I was just talking to a friend the other day. We were, we were talking about it. They were like, it's so funny that what you see in movies like back then are things that are happening now, like the hoverboard, for example. And then now, like, if I don't remember, like old Star Trek or, I think it was Star Trek or some type of movie where this guy had, like, his phone on his wrist type thing. Like, you know, he could mm-hmm. touch his wrist, and it was like an interactive phone. They're making that now. Like, you yep. can YouTube it, and yep. it's, it's waterproof and et cetera, and all you do is flick your wrist for the band to get activated, and you have your pretty much essentially your phone on your forearm. And you just yeah. go, and, you, and it's interactive and touch screen capable. It's weird. Well, you know who really basically tells the future all the time and it's going notice now, now that like it so many years have gone by and whatever they're saying has come true. But the Simpsons. I was just about like, to say Simpsons. Yeah, no, I've seen like, there's been so many things like even there was a video I saw uh, of them basically predicting Trump being elected and whether or not that is like, Trump and his administration basically like saying, hey, let's play into this let's to just fuck with everybody. Or if somehow they really knew that this was going to happen. Yeah, see, that's that's the trippy part when like you start to like uh, bring in these like conspiracies like, okay, like did they know and like all this is set up? But then 
I don't know. It's weird to me. That's so weird to me. And then I, when I talk to people about politics and stuff, they're always bringing, like, the Rothschild family and, like, yep. all, all of that stuff. And this is like, whoa, I'm totally just, like, mind-fucked right now. Let me let me get back and let me, let me call my laptop. Yeah, yeah. There's been so many conspiracy things that I've seen lately. One of them, actually, particularly funny enough, is about the Rothschild family. About It was basically saying that they were behind a shit ton of the things that happened in the Middle East to be able to take over oh, yeah. different banking systems. The banks. From the banks, yep, in the countries that they weren't in yet, but they caused such a disturbance and disruption that allowed them the opportunity to seize the banks, which is nuts to think about that because, I, I like, to be honest, I believe it. Like, I believe that there is a family out there that they are so powerful and so wealthy that they can just do this and they will and they basically take over all of the banks of the of the world essentially oh yeah it's true i mean i i believe it i mean it's googleable you could google the rothschild family and see how they started up when they first owned their first bank you know right and i feel like People like them who are worth, you know, billions and billions of dollars, like ridiculous, way more than Bill Gates' money, are yeah. able, they're in power, you know, because yep. what happens is what affects them. And just like, you know, not, not, not to go off top of but if you think, go back to the stock market, you know, there's people who manipulate companies and owners who man, manipulate stocks so that it works in their favor. You yep. know, if you go back to the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, you could see it there in plain sight. Yep, 100%. And it's all about money and it's all about power. Yeah. yeah, I wonder, like, with the Rothschild family, like, when they first owned their first bank, I wonder if they had in mind one day, all right, this is number one. We got the world to go. <laughs> probably not. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, probably yeah. not, but you just kind of wonder, like, what if one of them had that sort of vision and at that point in their life, they were senile enough to believe it, and they did mm-hmm. it, and they accomplished it. Yeah, I don't know. It's and, crazy. Oh my God! There's that. There's that. There's that quote where if you're people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world, actually change the world. Yeah, wasn't that Steve Jobs? Was it Steve Jobs? I, it was. It was some quote, but I, I have that quote written on my wall. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool one. So um, to kind of bring us back in, unless you had something yeah, else yeah. that you wanted to add to that. Oh no, um, no, go ahead. Okay, cool. So the other, okay, so the the other day, for those of you who are listening and may not know, I typically talk to all of my interviewers or interviewees um, ahead of time, just to kind of get to know them and. So, Andrew, for the life of me, I can't remember what this one is, this one was about, but I wrote down education system with a star next oh. to it, which made me think that was super important and it needed to be brought up. Right, right. Um, no, I just wanted, I don't know what your age group you have here listening and stuff, but I wanted to talk about the education system and that, one, it does need to get fixed. Um but it's more so not the education system that's messed up. It's the mentality of the students um, where – and I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash for this, which is fine because I don't care. That's okay. Um, 
but it's this it's the student's responsibility to make things happen for them. You know, just yep. like it's your responsibility to make your life happen for you. No one's going to come out and give you anything. You know, you have to work for it. You have to put in the time for it. Um, exactly. And it's stupid to think, and it's very dumb to think that if you go to school at, for, this say, biology, and you get a 4.0, and you're going to come out, you're not going to get that job you wanted. Because realistically, there's someone else out there Who's or who does have that 4.0? Who's but who's been working in that same industry for four to five years? Who has the experience in that particular position? So for you to yep. think that you're coming out of school and you're going to outcompete these people is just idiotic. So yeah. then here comes the catch 22, where it's like, okay, well, how do I gain the experience? Get a job, get any type of job, uh, whether it's you know. Uh, working retail or doing some type of construction work on the side or some type of volunteer work and make it relatable to that specific job description. You know, for me, I, when I got the, the cancer job, I related it to the job that I had at, at retail where I talked about safety and being safe in the lab and how, you know, I was safe in the workplace and taking care of people and making them feel valuable. You know, just right. you have to make it relatable. But the most important thing that people do not do, and I see it time and time again, whether it's in in school or whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in entrepreneurship, is networking. Networking mm-hmm. is by far the most valuable asset ever. It's always been even back to the time when people would sit in circles and tell stories, it's still just as impactful now going to networking events, meeting people, talking to people, being an extrovert. And I'm an introvert. I'm very shy. Um, But when it comes to networking, I'm an extrovert because I know and I realize the value in it. So when I was in school, I was networking with professors. I would talk to them every single day. And it wasn't like brown nose, kiss ass type thing. It would just be, you know, we'll, like how we're having a conversation here now. Um, and then I'd ask, you know, how do I go about getting to where it is, that next step that I wanted to. And then I would go out and reach, the, reach out to those people, and I would get rejected time and time again. But eventually someone's going to reach out back to you. And when you network with people who are in different spots, so like, for example, when I was – in college, I wasn't just networking with biology majors. I was networking with film, with, you know, artsy people. I was networking with history majors, et cetera, because you don't know what career path and what's going to happen in their life five to ten years from now. Maybe that history right. major decided not to be a history major no more, and he invented the most fucking dope app, dopest app ever that is like the next freaking Facebook and Instagram. And had right. you stay in, in contact with him, you know, that's an asset that you can have now. But you decided not to because you were you you thought he was, you know, some type of history nerd and now you guys you have no ties at all. So it's very mm-hmm. important to have those ties and then in the future having those ties when if you ever decide to start a business, you have someone who who does film, you have someone who does photography, you have someone who is great at content writing who is an English major. So Yeah. Build those connections. And really get out there because that's what that's what is going to get you that job. It's not necessarily all the time of what you know. It's who you know. And aside from that, it's also who you are. So I know plenty of people who wanted to be doctors, 
and they were 4.0, and they did have a network. They did have a little bit. They had their little clubs and whatnot, but then they they don't work as doctors now. And the reason behind that is because they're not sociable, because they don't know how to deal with people, and they they just didn't have the right values for themselves. They were very selfish versus being selfless. And right. So that goes into it as well. And a little tidbit for those who are young, who are in college, and who are going to interviews when the interviewer asks you, tell me a little bit about yourself. Don't go and tell them what's already on your resume. Don't say, well, I went to this school and I, you know, I got a 4.0 or blah, blah, blah. Tell them who you are, what's going to make you stand out from your competition. For me, what I always talk about is my heart. Yeah. You know, I always talk it, about my drive because that no matter who it is, who, I know whoever I'm going up against, they don't have the same heart as me. They don't have the same drive as me because they weren't right. in that struggle that I was at when I was 19 years old and here today. So you got to find out what your why is and what your purpose is. And when you find what your purpose is in life, you know, there's two main important parts in life, the day you were born and the reason you find out why you were born. And when you can yep. find that out, you can make a huge difference. And that's what's going to drive you, and that's what's going to build the relationships, and that's what's going to make you successful. Exactly. Say. Andrew, this is kind of awkward, but this is kind of the point of anchor to just be right here in the moment of things. Hold on two seconds. I got to take, uh, I have to talk to someone really quick. Hi there. Hi. Are you up going up in here? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to be in the house for the afternoon. So okay. Stay. Sounds good. Let me know. So super awkward. I might need to jump when I leave because I left my door open and I completely uh, forgot that I had my light on. So okay. if that's possible. Sure. I just um, don't do you know. you have jumper cable? I'm pretty sure I do in my trunk. Okay. How? What time are you? How long are you leaving? I was thinking I was probably going to be here till three. Okay. I have a conference. I'm actually going to go lay down because I have bronchitis. Okay. Um, I have a conference call at three, but I can come out a little bit before. But you can use my car. Okay. Use my car to jump it. Okay. Thank you. And your name? I'm sorry. I'm Jody. Jody. Nick. Nick. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Okay. Okay. Could you hear much of that? I was trying to cover the mic. Oh, we heard all. We heard all. We heard it all. Oh, good, good. So, <laughs> funny thing. So, context. So, everyone knows where I'm at right now. Not in my home office where I typically do these. I um, I'm out at a vineyard right now, um, helping out trimming the vines. That way, the uh, wine grapes don't uh, go bad and get mildew all over them. So I'm out here for the day um, helping out a gentleman, and I'm talking in my car right now because it's super windy. And I realized maybe four minutes ago that I forgot to turn the light off in my car, and so my car is most likely dead right now, and I'm going to need this woman to give me a jump before I leave, which is funny, but (laughs) well worth it, well worth it. So. Yeah. So, um, so Andrew, I'll kind of explain to you super quick. So anchor, if I didn't explain this to you earlier, it's basically just live on the go, um, your own radio broadcast where you can do like music and voice and whatever else. And like, I've heard so many people use it in so many different ways. Um, where like, they're literally just like walking down the street and they just tell you like, I'm on my way to get Starbucks right now. I'm going to get this Bye. like, that's what they tell you. So, 
Yeah, so that's why I think it's interesting that for this podcast, since I'm using it uh, and exclusively going through Anchor, um, I'm ha- I'm actually really really happy that that just happened. That way, people can know that uh, you like this isn't you don't need to have super fancy equipment to be able to have really yeah. good meaningful podcasts and discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, brings on a that bit thing, of realness to it. I like it. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad. And on on that note, you absolutely need to get Anchor because what you were just talking about yesterday about networking and you never know who you'll meet, that's what I did all yesterday morning. And I say all yesterday morning when really it was honestly probably between 6.45 in the morning and 8. All I was doing was networking because DRock, Gary's cameraman, uh, made a post mm-hmm. on Instagram, and I happened to see it at the very beginning. Because underneath, he posted some picture of New York or something like that. But underneath, essentially, he said, say what you do and network amongst yourselves in the comments. And oh, I was I like, saw that. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, well, shit, sure, let's do it. And so in there, I pretty much said, like, hey, I have this podcast, Nick, at night. I'd love to interview interesting people and let let them tell their stories. And from there, I probably got, and I told them to DM me, um, at first I got probably about seven, six or seven people Mm -hmm. to DM me to start to set up these interviews before 7.22 in the morning. And then throughout the rest of the day, I had a, I would, um, I would guess another 12 to 15 people DM me throughout the day yesterday as well saying, Hey, I saw your post. Hey, I saw you have a podcast, like whatever it was. And that's the thing, like networking nowadays, it's so simple. It's stupid simple. And, and, and people that don't do it because they're introverted using that as a crutch or as, or as an excuse is it's just exactly that. It's, it's an excuse. It's bullshit. Like you can be introverted and type out DMS on Instagram for an hour and a half and meet a bunch of people. Like one of the guys I met, um, you were talking about websites and developing websites earlier. This guy does the official player websites for a handful of the green Bay Packers. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's actually going to be on. Guy, had you not met exactly. Exactly. And, and the guy's out of Chicago now, but we kind of like, we, in, in the DMs, uh, we just kind of like bonded over the fact that we both like the Packers. Um, and so um, he's going to be on the, on the podcast here uh, um, in probably the next week or so. But it's just, it's crazy. The people that you would meet um, that you never would have had the chance to before unless you just put yourself out there. Uh, I, had a, I had another kid, um, because he is a kid, um, and he's going to tell his story, and I'm really excited because I think it's going to be very, very um, valuable and inspirational to a bunch of people. Um, so he got put in jail for, I think, like six or nine months because of marijuana possession. Basically, he was a little oh, hustler. Wow. He couldn't really do much, so he he sold weed, right? And mm-hmm. to me, I think it should not be illegal to sell weed. I think it's totally fine to do that. Um, it's a business, uh, do what you're going to do. But he then told, told, uh, in one of his posts, a brief story about when he got out 
he decided that he was going to completely change his entire life and not do that anymore. And he was going to pursue his passion for photography. And wow. he was just going to devote himself to that. Um, so I just thought that it was so, I mean, to me, that short brief story that he told in a comment or, or in a caption exactly. underneath a photo was, incredibly impactful of someone that like could have basically just decided like, all right, well, this is my life. I guess I've already been to jail once who fucking cares, but no, instead he's like, no, I'm actually really passionate about photography. And I, I think I want to do that. Um, so it's, I'm, a, I'm really excited to have that kid on here. Um, and if you're listening right now, I apologize for calling you a kid. If you're not a kid, I just forget your age and I feel like you're younger than me. So, um, <laughs> but Anyways, back to the importance of networking. I just, yeah, no, I just completely agree. Sorry, I got a little off topic. Having to talk to that oh, no, woman yeah. kind of threw me off. No, that's it's, it's true though. You're right. I mean, the the, the connections that I've made and the, the the business deals that I've been able to make has all been through social media. And mm-hmm. For for those that are young and for those that, you know, say that they have, you know, a lot of friends, don't worry about what your friends think. Don't worry about what yes. the opinions of others are going to be. Just go out and do it and just take that risk um, because it's going to pay off. You know, I wish I would have because I, when, I, when Instagram first came out, I was doing the whole hashtag thing. And, and at that time, there was no limit. And I was doing the whole follow and unfollow thing, but then I would get backlash from like my friends. So then I stopped. But had I kept mm. going, you know, who knows what type of business I'd be in now, or who else I could have met, you know, along that way. Um, right. And now I've been able to grow it to twenty thousand followers, which still isn't much. But you know, there's people who I knew that yeah. were doing it as well when I was doing it, and they have millions of followers now, and they're doing well, incredible in business. So. You know, just yeah. take that risk. Don't worry about what other people think. Yeah, no, I, and I couldn't agree more, and I'm glad that we're ending on this um, because that's – it's so and, – and in the moment, I get it. I'm empathetic to where your head is at as a younger kid or even older. I mean, I'm only 24, mm-hmm. and there, there are friends of mine that still – and people way older, and no matter who you are, I'm empathetic to you caring about what other people think about you because it, it, I, I understand it. I get it. I've been there. Um, but to your point, the, the moment that I really just kind of decided, you know what, fuck them. Like, not, not like in a mean mm-hmm. way, like I hate you, but just like, fuck them. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to care what they have to say about it. And I've cut ties with most of my friends um, that I considered my closest friends from high school because they Mm -hmm. just didn't necessarily quote unquote approve of what I was doing because it wasn't what they were doing. And I'm like, you know what, that's fine. Um, and who knows how their life's going to pan out. And some of them are super happy and married now, but I'm like, look, you're going to have an ordinary life. Mine's going to be incredible and everything that I've dreamt it would be. And it's because I was willing to get uncomfortable and not care what you guys had to think. Uh, and so for people mm-hmm. listening that if you remember nothing from this entire thing, which there's tons, tons of value in this entire thing. So Andrew, thank you so much. 
um, because, I mean, you mm -hmm. talked basically the entire time and just brought so much value that I'm going to be putting to use in my own life, and I hope everybody else does that's listening too. But if you take nothing away but don't give a shit what other people think about you, you'll be happy and you'll be successful. Yep. And on this quote here, and it's, it's one of my, my biggest quotes, you have to be willing to sacrifice for what you want. Otherwise, what you want becomes the sacrifice. Oh, wow. I've never heard that the one. I thought you were going to say a different one, but I like that a lot. Yep. And again, for those that didn't catch it, you have to sacrifice things in life for what you want. Otherwise, what you want becomes the sacrifice. Andrew, you need to get an anchor. Like you need to be speaking to people daily. <laughs> like I kid you not. Like you've heard that audio is the next big kick, right? Oh, yeah. People that are doing podcasts, it's yeah. huge. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to podcast, but honestly, Anchor, like – I'm gonna look into seeing if it's if I'm able to invest in Anchor because they're doing they're doing something right, and you could literally just have your own radio station where you get to talk to people, and you don't even need a podcast if you wouldn't want to. But I like I legitimately think that you need to be on Anchor and talking to people. We're gonna be in touch after this after this this interview here, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll go about it. Yeah. No, please. I want to help you with this, even though I'm like basically fresh off the boat. Like I've never done this before in my life, but from the little bit that I've learned from about a month of, of, uh, speaking to people rather than creating content, uh, it's just a completely different feel. And I think you would really, um, do well with it. And I think you'd have a lot of fun with it too. Yeah, it would be cool. So Awesome. So thank you again for, for coming on, taking the time, um, enduring through my side conversation, not pertaining to the interview. Um, but thank you again so much for being on, uh, on Nick at night. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I'm, I've, I learned a ton in this last hour, like not just saying that because we're recording and we're on a podcast, like legit, I've, I've learned a lot in the last hour. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you Nick, for having me really appreciate it. Hopefully we get to do this again, you know, sometime from now and see where we're both at. Um, yeah. but truly humbled to be on your show and, um, look forward, look forward to seeing what you do next. Perfect. Thank you so much. And, uh, We'll keep in touch soon. And so for everybody listening, uh, just to end it off, if you are listening on Anchor, you can also find it um, on iTunes Podcasts, Google Play Music, um, and three others that aren't as big as the first two that I can never remember. Uh, but you literally just have to search Nick at Night and you'll find me. I'm always going to be one of the first ones. Um, and for those of you listening on the podcast, get over on Anchor. There's so much more content, so much more value um, that I'm bringing to people over on Anchor that I know don't always um, publish to the podcast. So if you don't have Anchor, get Anchor. It's free. It's well worth it. And uh, one more time, Andrew, thank you, and we'll be in touch soon for sure. Absolutely. You guys have a good day. Perfect. Take care.